Hello and welcome to the Spidey Dude Radio Network. I'm Zach Joyner, owner of the website that powers the podcast and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Spectacular Spider-Man Salby Sima Era Podcast, a podcast all about Sal's run on the Spectacular Spider-Man. Before I turn it over to our host, Chris, I wanted to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. They help sponsor the show. Greg, Vinkman, Scott, Kaylee, and Phoenician, thank you all for your support. And if you want to get some more info, check it out at that aforementioned website at patreon.com slash network to get more perks, like getting some shows early. And we'll have more coming very, very soon. They'll get some exclusives very soon. Stay tuned for that. Finally, before I go, I want to encourage you to check out our other fine programs, Spidey Dude Experience, ASM Classics, Make Mine Mayday, Broken Rider Variety Hour, Clone Saga Chronicles, Spectacular Radio, and Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. Be sure to leave feedback on the respective feeds, give us a five-star review, and leave feedback at the email address at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this exciting episode of the show, and now, here's Chris. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Spectacular Sal Basama Era Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me from Screen Rant and the Dorkening Network is... Hi, I'm Drew, everybody, and, and I'm excited to be here. We're continuing our coverage of the Cosmic Spider-Man Acts of Vengeance storyline. And I got an email the other day from somebody who was a listen saying, why are you playing the Spectacular Spider-Man theme song from the cartoon? I was like, because it's awesome and it's the only cartoon of Spider-Man that has Spectacular in it. Until they make a movie. It's amazing. Yes. Until they make a movie called the Spectacular (laughs) Spider-Man. Which I honestly thought the sequel to The Amazing Spider-Man would be called The Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, it would have been great. Yeah, but I digress. I care. And then Marvel decided to do home. I, I don't I don't get the whole thing with the home. It's a Mark Webb thing. I'm sure he's explained it. Leave a comment in the comment section below if he has and leave me the link to where he explains it. That's totally fine. I'm not getting into a debate about anything because there's nothing to debate about. I just don't know the reasons why. I just think it's a little silly. I get the first time Homecoming was a big like, yeah, Spider-Man came home, bitches. That was like a... I think that was a snub at Sony a little bit, but whatever. Yeah, it totally was. Totally was. But we're going to flashback to the early 90s now with Web of Spider-Man number 60. Drew has the plot synopsis for us. And thank you, Dr. Chris, and Apple all day. So, okay, Webhead, so back to Web of Spider-Man Acts of Vengeance. We got Web of Spider-Man issue 60, uh, written by Jerry Conway, pencilers Alex Saviak, inker Ken Keith Williams, Colorist Bob Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, and of course the editor is Jim Salakrup. So continuing where we left off from Spectacular Spider-Man number 59, we have Spider-Man battling Goliath on the Triborough Bridge. Uh, of course this fight is monitored by our favorite sleazy photographer Nick Katzenberg as Spider-Man essentially defeats this, this Goliath who has size-enhancing powers, who remembered that he fought the guy as another, another alias, the Smuggler. He wasn't impressed then, as he's not impressed now. Spidey uses his new cosmic abilities to essentially beat Goliath, while Nick Katzenberg snaps photos hoping to win favor with Thomas Fireheart, who you all remember is currently running in the Bugle and trying to change uh, Bugle's I Hate Spider-Man to We Hate Spider-Man's good, Spider-Man's fine. 
Um, Goliath is then promptly arrested by the police, but then we have someone from FBI saying they're going to take him into custody. What do we find out? That guy's credentials are fake because he's working for the Kingpin. So while Peter is asking Aunt May questions about life or death, because of course her fiance, Nathan Lubiginsky, is on his way out of heart disease, we have Goliath brought before the Kingpin, Magneto, and Doctor Doom. They're unhappy that he failed his mission to stop Spider-Man, and essentially Goliath is like, give me another shot, and they like, no way, but Doctor Doom is like, I might. So while Peter asks Aunt May, uh, what would she do if she had the power of life or death? Peter says, that's ridiculous, because we all gotta die eventually. Uh, Peter leaves, but we find out that there's, of course, more to that later. Nick Katzenberg has his photos rejected from the Bugle, because Thomas Fireheart is like, why no? Uh, but of course finds that our favorite wall crawler is waiting for him in his office, and we find that this is all still because he owes Peter a debt. This is interrupted by our favorite Secretary Glory Grant, who of course upon seeing Spider-Man remembers, Hi, you almost kill. you were responsible for the death of my lover, Eduardo Lobo, who is of course a gangster, leaves the room. Uh, Peter realizes that this is awkward, but finds out that that Fireheart is getting a call from the Kingpin himself because cosmic enhanced hearing. He speaks to big old uh, Fisky, tell, and they arrange a meeting at Battery Park, which of course everybody is a trap. We have Peter asking why the Kingpin is doing this. It's because he wants to get back to his position of power, which we saw has been interrupted by Hammerhead and Chameleon in Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, but of course this is a trap because Goliath emerges from the ground like a gigantic Godzilla, basically says, hi, Dr. Doom helped fix his powers. So essentially, the more Peter hits Goliath, the bigger he gets. So Peter figures out that by continually hitting him, it makes it harder for Goliath's heart to basically keep going. So while Goliath is using collateral damage for, as people to really distract Spider-Man, Peter keeps knocking him down. And eventually the strain is too much and Goliath collapses. Peter saves the ferry that Goliath threw like a tub toy. And of course, Goliath disappears. Peter realizes that Zombie is right, that all this power is ridiculous, but he's stuck with it. And Dr. Doom is satisfied with his little experiment because he really wants Spider-Man's powers for himself. And this will be continued on Amazing Spider-Man 328, which Chris will cover within a few minutes. This was, an, this was interesting. Okay, so on the cover, who do we see? Uh, bring up the cover now. Yeah, I see. I see Doctor Doom. I see Goliath. I see Kingpin. Okay, is that who is that? Is that like it looks kind of like Grandmaster with the pop nope. collar? But nope. I, is that the owl? No, you're so far away. Who like, just who what? did Spider-Man just fight in our previous episode? Oh, Magneto. That is the good guy Magneto costume when he took over the X-Men when Charles Xavier was injured and sent to space. Oh, wow. I totally... Wow. Yeah. So if I ever meet Alex Subiak again, I have to ask him about that continuity flub because Magneto had abandoned his superhero identity and gone back to his mm. more traditional villain ways, as is right. actually mentioned in this story arc because he had right. a big falling out with Rogue in the Savage Land and uh, mm -hmm. went on to be a bad guy again. Why is he wearing the turned-up collar look? Probably an editorial uh, mistake, a, uh, a no prize, which I guarantee if we read issues of Web of Spider-Man's letter pages, uh, maybe someone pointed it out and got a no prize. <laughs> right? Yeah. But 
Wow, I totally, yeah, I totally missed that. And it's funny because I like how my mind immediately went to like Grandmaster because it's the hair and the collar, you know, very, very flamboyantish, uh, cosmic style. What, what, what? So, uh, wow, that's that's random. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, so this is Goliath. This is the original Goliath who is now currently which character? Oh God. He is Atlas, a uh, member of the Thunderbolts. Right. I did know that because I ha I've been catching up on the Thunderbolts. Now, the last time we saw the wow. Thunderbolts was prior to the Secret Empire storyline where uh, Nazi Cap tries to take over. Right. And it got canceled after 12 issues, unfortunately, unless they always plan it to be 12 issues. But I was pretty excited for its return, and I do hope to see it again one day. We did just mm -hmm. get the return of the Thunderbolts in uh, Thunderbolts uh, King in Black, where the Kingpin has uh, right. taken control of the Thunderbolts. Um, not mm -hmm. even joking. He has control of the Thunderbolts trademark now. <laughs> yeah, it was actually pretty decent. I remember reading that. I liked it. The King but, in Black know, miniseries. Yeah, yeah, it was actually pretty decent. But you know, what's really interesting is that yet again we have another case where you have Marvel characters operating as more than one identity. Right. You know, we've seen this with heroes. We've seen this with villains. Like this guy was a smuggler. Now he's Goliath. Now he's like it's the same thing. I think we've seen with. Didn't, like, Hawkeye or... Um, Hawkeye uh, was Hank also Kim. once Goliath. You're correct. He was hot. He was. Right. He became Goliath during the Kree Skull War. Right. And then, like, and then there's other people. Like, I remember, like, Hank Pym has been through, like, a bunch of identities. He was Goliath. You know? He was Ant-Man. He was Yellow Jacket. He's been the Wasp. I'm not even joking. Mm -hmm. And why he was the Wasp? Because the Wasp was killed, supposedly, during mm -hmm. the uh, Secret Invasion storyline. And he became the wasp in honor of his uh late uh ex-wife <laughs> yeah but and then back to this like that's interesting and then i i think it's always great that jerry conway always likes like really putting his spidey stories within the environment like like and then on top of it you have alex subic you know like he's on the triborough bridge like i've driven over that so literally i'm looking at that i was like oh my god i've literally driven where they're fighting like the toll bridge on the Triborough. Like, I have passed that dozens of times in my life. So to see it being ripped apart during a battle, which, again, it's like on the Triborough Bridge. Like, Spider-Man, there are no buildings here. Like, yep. This is... this. There is another mm -hmm. character named Goliath, of course, we're aware of. He was murdered by Clore. Do you know who Clore was? That they cloned Thor in Civil War. Correct? There you go. Ben Foster, played by the amazing um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, of course. Uh, in the Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hopefully we get to see him come back for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium and maybe grow real big. Maybe get to grow... Maybe Lawrence Fishburne will put on a shitty-looking 70s white and blue costume and grow really right? big. Oh, my God. That would be, uh, that would be amazing. How about I, I, this? How about this? They're not going to do that, but they'll do a flashback with his motion-captioned face on a bo younger body because, let's face it, Lawrence mm -hmm. Fishburne is not, you know, a right, young right. guy like... You know, uh, yeah. you know, Tom, Tom Holland, but they mm. do a flash, they do another flashback, and we get to see him in like 70s stupid looking costume, 80s stupid looking costume, depending on what era he came out in, grow really mm. big. Kind of like we got to see Luke Cage in his ridiculous looking Terra costume for a flashback scene when he got his powers on the Luke Cage show. Listen, if we can see Michael Douglas amazingly uh, de-aged in Avengers Endgame, anything is possible. Now, this so. fight with Goliath is quick and fast and right at the beginning of the book, and then I feel like the rest of the book is a lot of freaking drama until he returns. Yeah, I mean, 
like again, like and this is all due credit to to, to Jerry Conway. I mean, I, I love I love what we've read of him so far. But like you know, the the this the morality question of Peter asking Aunt May about life or death, like it was one of those where you know I don't when I see my parents I don't just suddenly decide hey I'm gonna ask you a big life threatening question I want your opinion, you know normally it's just hey um, you been cleaning the attic what else of mine did you find, um, you know so it's just seeing seeing things like this I was like it it, it again it's one of those where. Spider-Man has always been a character that asks big questions, and Aunt May has always been that center of morality. But it's just like, in the whole drama of action vengeance, I'm not saying you can't have that, because we've certainly seen Mary Jane and other titles kind of do the same thing. But it's just like, it, it was kind of a little fluffer in between. Like, when we got to, like, Goliath between the act, like, the, the villains, I'm like, okay, cool, we're back to this, and... You know, of course, he was their boy. You know, sent in to fight Spider-Man and test him out. Right. You know, but so that was it was fine. Um, you know. Now, prior to the end of the entire story, is it ever revealed that he is Captain Universe, or it's the Unipower, or are we supposed to not understand what it is until we see the shimmering, glowing image of Captain Universe surrounding, you know, Cosmic Spider-Man blasting out energy? I honestly, like, yeah, I think I don't recall. But I do know, like, I feel like we're coming up to the point where we're going to see the costume change. Like, we have to. We don't see the costume you know? change until Amazing Spider-Man 329, where he fights the Tri-Sentinal. Jesus. We yep. No, we go. never get the costume change until the very last issue where he's standing there, fist out. You know, it's the Cap the Universe yeah. costume with the web mask, which is awesome. It's right. a great toy. If you ever played the Spider-Man 90s game, not 90s, uh, yeah. the 2000 PlayStation 1 game, because you have to fly. Hell yeah. Uh, by the way, really helpful when you fight the Octocarnage final level. God, also made God, a great yeah. toy, too, and I think is a mm -hmm. alternate costume in the 2004. Uh, uh, 18 PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game. It is. Yeah, so this, uh, yeah, we, ne we never get to see it. So never maybe it. we don't get to know he's Captain Universe until the very end unless you're a watchful Marvel eye. Now, Captain Universe was still so obscure at this point. I didn't even right. realize, by the way, he first appeared in something Marvel can't even reprint, by the way. Do you want to know what that was? What? Well, yeah, what is it? Micronauts number eight. Marvel no longer has the rights to the Micronauts. They cannot republish the comic books from it. But oh IDW God. can, and IDW has republished the Micronauts books without the Marvel logo. Just like they republished right. that famous issue of um, Transformers number three, all they could republish mm -hmm. was the cover and a plot synopsis, and that was it. Then you flip the page, wow. it's issue four of Transformers. That's crazy. Yeah, doesn't it suck that yeah. that Marvel won't even let up just a little bit to? But Spider Man, yeah, that's uh, he's a big character, so I understand. I guess it's yeah. a catch twenty two on that. But, and, and you know what was also nice is like like the Aunt May stuff was whatever, but like when we got to the bugle, for me, like like okay, Nick Casberg is slime. Like you know, Thomas Fireheart is doing his moral obligation to Spider Man. Fine, but for me, like the the moment I was like, "Wow!" was when we finally see Glory Grant come into the office and she sees Peter, and she's still traumatized by this whole thing. And I'm like, "But wasn't your 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 boyfriend a a human werewolf gangster piece of shit who was manipulating you?" Like Peter, kind of like. Yeah, I mean, it also was like, why are you getting triggered? You're the one who killed your your guy, right? Trying to kill him. So it's it, it it was just really interesting to me, like like, but it felt very soap opera ish, you right? Know? No, not the Spider Man runs off. I'm like, okay, 
Thanks, thanks for thanks for your cameo, Glory. Check in the mail. Now, uh, by the way, so I just want to point out that I had to look this up when it happened. Uh, Magneto would rejoin the bad guys of, uh, you know, uh, b- b- Evil Mutants or whatever uh, in yeah, yeah. New Mutants number 51 when he joins the Hellfire Club. Okay. And that is when the X-Men kick him out. Okay. So that happened in uh, 1989. So 1988, rather. So pretty recently, because just a couple years later, just in time for the 90s roll out around, we would get, you know, um, we'd get cable. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So that's all the notes I have for this issue. It's a, uh, it's just punchy, 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 fight, 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 and then right. Doctor I, Doom's in the in the in the shadows, building up to his uh, big standoff with Spider-Man in the upcoming I, Return of Spectacular, which we'll do in the next episode. Yeah, and I guess my other note is that I did like that Jerry Conway always ties in his stuff really well, and I yes. do give him that credit. You know, again, we saw the Kingpin referencing the, the, the gang war with the Lobo brothers. The Hammerhead and Chameleon are, are essentially <clears throat> kind of muscling in on the territory. And right. then you have Goliath, who's – this is Goliath's redemption. Um, but it's just one of those things where I was like, you're, you're making a deal with Dr. Doom. This is, isn't exactly making a deal with Mephisto, but this is pretty close because this will never work out for you because it's always about what benefits him. And – uh, which I also enjoy is that a lot of these fights always end up being around water. I guess Terry Conway just likes writing scripts where giant characters are throwing boats or destroying boats or saving people in water. <clears throat> yep. I, I'm noticing that theme in a lot of these. And, you know, yet again, um, what I do like, this is my last thing, is that I do like that his, his stuff has a very much beginning, middle, end. You have the beginning, you have the story, you have the lesson, and then we wrap it up. Because some stories, especially with Spider-Man, they'll always just drag on and on and to be continued. And it's just like, it's nice to see something very episodic. Like, you know, like this to me felt like if you adapted it into a Saturday morning cartoon, it's pretty easy to do. So Exactly. We're going to take a quick break and we will play some interesting spots here on the network and our sponsor from Deadly Grounds Coffee. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes with another exciting issue, part of the Cosmic Spider-Man Acts of Vengeance storyline here in the Salva Sema Era podcast. Pause. Reload your web shooters, kids. (laughs) And we're back. And this time we're covering... Not Spectacular Spider-Man. This actually goes into Amazing Spider-Man number 328, where Spider-Man fights the Grey Hulk. And it was published January 1990. I would have turned 10 years old. The writer was Dave Michelinie, penciler Todd McFarlane. This is Todd McFarlane's final issue on The Amazing Spider-Man because he would pick up duties on Adjective-less Spider-Man, which we've already covered on Splash Pages. Go over there and check out that episode. Inker Al Gordon, colorist Bob Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, and editor Jim Scalrup. Out of the Nevada desert, the Hulk is smashing rubble, making trouble, making himself more comfortable as he's trying to get his mind off the fact that Banner is regaining control of his life. And this is eventually going to lead into the uh, Professor Hulk storyline over in his book. Uh, Sebastian Shaw contacts the Hulk and basically convinces the Hulk to go after Spider-Man. Hours later, Spider-Man has arrived at the Statue of Liberty where terrorists have threatened to destroy the landmark and conditions are not met. Having, having taken a number of hostages... And a storm has prevented the authorities from getting a helicopter in the air. Spider-Man questions if he could, should do something with it with all of his powers. 
However, he has come to doubt his abilities after his recent run-ins with Goliath and Titania has nearly gotten them killed. Back towards the city, he has to meet with his wife and Mary. Uh, has to meet with his wife Mary Jane and his friend Flash Thompson and his new girlfriend for a dinner date. Later on at the restaurant within the World Trade Center, Peter and Mary Jane meet up with Flash and his date. An abrasive young woman named Amber, a woman who is very rude and a pain in the ass, but not nearly as bad as upcoming Flash's next date very soon. The Hulk begins rampaging in the streets to try and draw out Spider-Man and tosses a truck containing two passengers, and the wall car arrives just in time to save him. After a much much heated fight between the two, Spider-Man is um, able to stop the Hulk, and during daybreak, he reverts back to Bruce Banner. As the day passes, Peter finds that he can't focus on his lectures at Empire State University, and Banner has to call in sick to his job at the nuclear research facility in Yucca Flats. While at Shaw's industry, Sebastian Shaw reads about the Hulk's battle with Spider-Man the night before and decides to give the brute one last chance to destroy the wall crawler. That evening, Spider-Man arrives in the ruins of the Roosevelt Island for his meeting with the Hulk. Soon the Hulk arrives and tries to smash Spider-Man once again, but Spider-Man knocks the Hulk into outer space above the Earth's orbit. Putting on a brave face, the Hulk tells Spider-Man he could have saved himself somehow but decides to spare the wall crawler for now after he gets back to Earth. The next day, Peter tells Mary Jane about what happened and how he hates um, his powers and wishes they would go away. Elsewhere, Sebastian Shaw and his men transport Bruce Banner back to Nirvana. Concerned about Spider-Man's new powers, Shaw plants a means to destroy Spider-Man once and for all, which dun, dun, dun. is part of the Acts of Vengeance final chapter. So right at the bat and the cover, we have the Hulk destroying even the logo of Spider the Amazing Spider-Man, which I love. Mm-hmm. And uh, Drew doesn't like the way the Hulk is drawn in this, but again, he's supposed to be the gray mishmash Hulk, which I think we are hearing rumors possibly that the gray Hulk will be appearing in the upcoming She-Hulk TV series, which would be really cool, I think. Okay, I, I need to clarify for everyone listening who cares. It's not that I don't like it, it's just not one of my favorites. Um, there were certain characters, and I love Todd McFarlane's art. I've been a fan of Spawn for years, I love his work on Spider-Man. So I, I, you know, if he's somehow listening, sir, with all due respect, you're still great. I don't think um, he's listening, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, listen, I gotta cover my bases, Chris. But, but it's just that there are certain characters that I feel like Todd draws that I just I'm not a big fan of. Like this, like uh, it's fine, but I mean the one that I just for some reason never liked is the, I remember this one version of his his, of his version of the thing. I just thought looked ridiculous. Um, like he was just all misshapen and deformed. He looked more like he was turning into abomination than he did the thing. But again, still loved the issue, still loved the story. Um, I will say uh, Peter, Mary Jane, Flash, and Amber. the woman that we'll forget, his name is Amber, eating in a restaurant within the World Trade Center, considering now, I was like, that's a, it was a little sad. Yeah. But, First couple appearances for this podcast that we have on uh, this episode with this issue are the Hulk, who first appeared way back in the Incredible Hulk number one, but has but mm-hmm. uh, was gray in the first issue. And because he has yes. changed color, was because of a coloring mistake at the printing company. And Stan just mm-hmm. went with it afterwards. But years later, years, 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 years later, John Byrne turned the Hulk back into gray, and he would only turn into the Hulk at night. Now, years later, 
uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale would write a story called Hulk Gray, which actually explained mm-hmm. the incontinuity reason why the Hulk went from gray to green in one issue. Did a great job. Yeah, I don't remember it off the top of my head, and this is not a Hulk podcast to get into that. I'm just saying good reference yeah. material to read. Go there and read it. I, the and, other person, just real quick, the other person yeah. that makes his first appearance in this and is the villain in the Acts of Vengeance that sent to fight Spider-Man is Sebastian Shaw. Now, he does not go hand-to-hand with Spider-Man, and this is a hand-to-hand combat villain for the X-Men. He has energy-absorbing powers and basically invulnerability. He is a powerhouse X-Men villain, but usually refers to not sully his hands because he's all stiff upper lip, aristocratic, rich snob, SOB. And And also into kinky BDSM as part of the Hellfire Club. Yeah, I mean, like I said, what was nice is that, you know, you have Spider-Man doing the hostage situation at Statue of Liberty, which, again, with his cosmic powers, is a no-brainer. Like, he, I like how he, again, has to be Spider-Man. He's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I almost killed two villains and whatnot. But then he ends up doing it, so I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, on top of it, it's not really a problem. You just fly away, and you'll still make dinner. And you have the fight at World Trade Center. And then, again, it's, it's just amazing how many times, you know, Spider-Man... He has his powers, but he's not as strong as the Hulk. Yet I feel like I've seen him battle the Hulk a lot, and he always ends up walking away. Wasn't there even one time when Peter had, like, the power of the Hulk at some point, right? Am I crazy? Is that, that happened, right? That happens in Web of Spider-Man, actually. I think after this event, he does become the Hulk for two issues, and it is during the mm-hmm. Professor Hulk storyline, I believe. Yeah, something like that. And it was just, like, again... I feel like eventually Peter has to realize that this is all some sort of gauntlet. Like, people are, are, are sending these villains toward him. Like, this has to be. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Peter's life wasn't fucking roses dealing with all the, the villains he did normally deals with. But, like, this endless thing of villains that aren't even... It's just nice to see, you know, Peter doing this. But at the same... My, my point going at was he has to realize that this has all been manipulated. That people are testing and targeting him. You know, and the only reason he's not sidewalk pizza is because of these powers. Uh huh. Right? So, um, what I just enjoy is that there were literally two different opportunities. Like, Shaw couldn't take failure. So he's like, oh, well, I'm going to give you a second chance. And they're fighting, again, Roosevelt Island, which, you know, uh, awesome. And then, of course, uh, Spider Man is fighting these people. And he doesn't even realize that, oh, hey, there are two people there smoking cigarettes. I was like, yes, that's clearly what people do tonight. We're going to go smoke cigarettes on Roosevelt Island. Like, what? Um, you know, but I like this all the way that he hit Hulk so hard, he ends up in space. Yes. Like, like how ridiculous is that? That's pretty funny. Um, he is just that power. He is more powerful than the Hulk. Now, if you remember in the previous issue where he fights Magneto in the lower right-hand corner... Um, mm-hmm. The Hulk has like a tiny microscopic one, pay one panel. Not, it's not even a panel. It's the next issue cameo where he has like a line. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't remember that. Uh, uh, I have to hold on. I gotta pull up that issue. I have it. I have that issue on my app. Uh, I'm dealing with the security okay. issues on my Twitter. He uh, yeah, he he's got some line or whatever. So it was just kind of funny that they did a little segue into that. But that was like the Eric Larson, Tom McFarland way. I mean, like in the lower left hand corner of the actual issue itself, you also have the uh, you don't have the barcode for the issue, but you have the Hulk in there because Todd and Eric would draw little drawings in the lower left hand corner for the for the direct editions of the comic. The newsstand editions would have the barcode so they could be scanned in oh wow i didn't know that that's awesome 
Yeah, and if you can collect those, those by the way, those little 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 artwork barcodes have never been collected by Marvel ever. Not that they would really need to. I mean, I'm sure they could probably fill a pay. You know, if they if they blew we wanted to yeah. blow them up, maybe that that'd be one thing. But I don't mm-hmm. I don't see it being probably a big market to collect those unless you're just a completist no. on Todd's artwork, which I'm sure would piss off mm-hmm. Todd. They're like, oh, look at them, they're marketing my freaking artwork again. <laughs> You know, but the thing that's that that I feel I really would like is I like those little those little details that yeah to us it would mean nothing, but it's those little in jokes with the creatives. So it's almost like you want to ask them like if you got to meet Eric and Todd, who I have, and they're both great people. Um, you know, you kind of want to ask them about that because you're sort of that there's like this little story, and it's it's kind of like the 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 being a comic book writer or an artist is like being a magician. If you're good, you don't need to know how the trick is done. You just enjoy the show. But people who are interested in the craft, you want to kind of know, not just because it helps you understand how you can do it, but it appreciates the craftsmanship and the talent of the, the, the creator, of the magician. You know, it doesn't deflate your awe. It just makes you appreciate it more. So, yeah, it's a small thing, Chris. I agree with you. But it's still really cool. And like you said, like, okay – you know, to us, cool, the, what's cool to us is someone's like, oh, this is a collecting. I was like, it's not really. It's just something small, but something neat. This is like just one giant fight after another, with the exception of like one, maybe two pages that have nothing to do with the fight. It's so funny. It's just the Hulk and Spider-Man, the Hulk and Spider-Man. I literally counted, and I'm going through the app right now. I count three mm-hmm. pages that don't have the Hulk and Spider-Man fighting. It is an epically drawn storyline by Tom McFarlane. And again, he would leave the book after this, and Eric Larson would take over full-time till issue 350, with the exception mm-hmm. of one issue drawn by Mark Bagley, to mm-hmm. uh, take over uh, to start uh, Adjective-Free Spider-Man, which we covered on Splash Pages. Right. You know what I have to say, though, Chris, is that compared to our last issue, which had a significant amount of pages that was just full of drama, went on the fight, I kind of liked that change here you know i kind of like like just actiony you know sometimes it's just that's what you want that's what you're buying the comic you see the hulk and spider-man you're not opening it for a soap opera you want to see the hulk trading punches with with bruce banner's other half and from what i i can say is boy they delivered you know now, it's funny right. that you mentioned um, the World Trade Center being in here. The topicalness of it all with the World Trade Center no longer being in existence is kind of like fashions in comic books back in the day uh, where you see Peter with bell-bottoms mm-hmm. or a mullet, and it it doesn't it kind of upsets the sliding right. time scale a bit because of the fact that if we're led to believe that Spider-Man is like four years old, 25, roughly, right? I think they've declared Peter to be 25, mm-hmm. um, which means Mary Jane is 25. Mm-hmm. Miles is probably like 17 mm-hmm. because he's getting his driver's license soon. The most recent issues, he's talked about it. 16 or 17, he's definitely not 13 anymore like he was when he was first created. That means Spider-Man could not have, Peter could not have, mm-hmm. could not have been Spider-Man during 9-11. Peter was alive during 9-11, but he could not have been right. Spider-Man during 9-11. And they just recently did a five-page tribute to 9-11 with Spider-Man and Captain America drawn by John Romita Jr. Because he drew the original Black issue mm-hmm. back in Amazing Spider-Man number 30. No, I didn't. Yeah, it's Peter. It's uh, Sorry, it's Spider-Man and Captain America going to the 9-11 memorial. 
and him asking oh, Cap, um, did you know, did you, did you know, did you know, uh, someone's name? He goes, I knew all their names. Oh yeah. I do remember reading that. Yeah. And again, also part of the problem with the sliding time scale is it means Captain America was unfrozen in the ice after nine 11. Mm-hmm. Cause the Avengers popped on the scene the first around the same time as Spider-Man did. Right. Yeah. This that, is it that, for that, my notes on this issue because it's basically, man. I mean, the fight ends and the Hulk goes away and Sebastian Shaw's like, I will create the Tri-Sentinel. <laughs> hey, listen, all I'm saying is, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm the closer we're getting to that, that's been the thing I've been the most psyched about ever since we're covering this because that's one of my favorite things I've never, about Spider-Man I've never got to read. So the fact that we're finally going to cover it I'm super pumped. I gotta be honest with you. Where's our toy? Do you know where where our toy is? Our toy would cost five hundred dollars or something like that on Haslab if we ever get a Tri Sentinel toy. We will never see a Tri Sentinel toy because Hasbro can't market toys anymore, except for just super duper expensive collector items. That that that, that breaks my heart. It's a hundred percent true. Does. Look how much that Sentinel cost. That Sentinel was like five hundred dollars, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty expensive. If I've seen recall, like you could just buy a bunch of the '90s, like the old '90s ones that I see all the time, and just do you know for you could buy a bunch of them versus that one of those. I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, like I I appreciate and love X Men, and and I'm not gonna lie. Whenever I see Sentinels in in comics, I always hear like the animated series and Holt mutants um in my head but it's just whatever you know but i just think it's just again the tri-sentinel was always like the coolest it was three in one got the multiple arms going created by loki like i i always thought that was the cool one of the coolest things spider-man ever faced and then the fact that he beat it and then it came back was just so exciting and yeah it came back I, in uh, for two issues with nova Mm-hmm. And uh, Spider-Man's got that great line, which I mentioned, where he's just like, "I skipped going dancing with Mary Jane for this." Silly me. Yeah. <laughs> as he's being gassed, as he's being like gassed with poison gas, he's like, "I could be dancing with my hot redhead wife." Nope. <laughs> but, but I chose this. <laughs> I chose this. Yes. Uh, yeah. Stupid. You know, he yeah. ducks out like on a dinner party with Liz and Harry or whatever, and and and, and mm-hmm. it's just like, "Oh my God, Peter." <laughs> He, yeah, it was just Peter life choices. Like, like they're they're you know the Avengers do exist, you know, but uh, but, oh, but only you. But maybe I, I they were in space notes. at the time. Maybe they were in space. Oh. They might. Oh 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 oh, yeah. oh 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 I know where they were. I know where they were because I bought uh, Captain America number four hundred at the time that that came out, mm-hmm. and uh, the mm-hmm. Kree uh, Shi'ar war was going on. So they were oh, okay. definitely busy. <laughs> definitely busy. All they right, were well, definitely busy. The notes, like, these two were great. Again, um, I was just looking ahead. I know we're going to have at least two two or so more episodes of this, and I'm very excited because we're getting We've got closer th- and closer we got to like the end. we got like four issues left of this whole thing because we have an epilogue think... story we got to do. But we have yeah, – uh, right. okay, it... all right, all right, we got we got an issue where he fights Dr. Doom's stupid robot. He's got right. an issue where he fights the Dragon Man, and then he fights the right. Tri-Sentinal – and then we got an epilogue. Okay, yeah. So two, two kind of three episodes. Okay. Right. So, so we will probably do the Cosmic Spider-Man Spectacular issue with the web issue and then the amazing issue with the web follow-up of Axe of Vengeance. Because that's where all the villains okay. that he beat come back and be like, oh, you don't get your cosmic powers anymore. We're going to beat your ass. Yeah. 
And then Goodness. we got a, uh, I think after the spectacular issue, we have uh, the return of the Hobgoblin and Carry On. Sweet. Which is going to have Mayday Parker, the cosplayer, on the back on the show with us because she's a big Hobgoblin Fantastic. fan. Fantastic. Love her. Which, by but, the way, okay. you can go to your local stores and pre-order the, um, the new six-pack of Spider-Man figures. One of them is the armored Spider-Man, Ben Riley Spider-Man, and a new um, Hobgoblin. It looks very much like Ron Friends' rendition of the Hobgoblin. Oh, nice. Yes. You can That's find cool. all the other episodes on the dorkingnetwork.com or on Pinecast, where all these episodes of all the network shows are at. You can find me over mm-hmm. on my other comic book show, Goth Girl Horror. We got a new episode coming out this week as well. And Drew, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you really need to talk to me. Um, I'm on Instagram, the same reason. Uh, I do a lot of work with Screen Rant. I work um, as a freelance writer. I'm always posting stuff on my Facebook, but look up Drew Model Screen Rant. Um, I'm on the Dorkening. I work with Splash Pages. I work with Dr. Chris on more than one project. And it's a very great, busy life. So if I don't get back to you, it's really not personal. But if you send money, it might, I might answer quicker. And so, we'll be yeah. back in two weeks with The Cosmic Spectacular Spider-Man issue 160. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> yes. So and excited. a Web of Spider-Man issue where he fights the Dragon Man, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. But all right, everybody, be well, keep the web suitors reloaded, and we'll see you in two weeks. Hello, and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback reviews the Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideouts. Cinema with Harrison Smith, Dorks the Podcast, The Dorkening, Black and White Fright, The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. <laughs>